Welcome to We Mentor Mondays with Nancy podcast. Get inspired. Break through to new dimensions with your entrepreneurial peers on the path to self-leadership mastery and life success. Redefine how you lead as you redesign your business. I call this dual innovation leadership. Take charge of who you next become. Feel more deeply to think, act, lead, and mentor more clearly and effectively. Discover something new from our meaningful conversation today. Hi, I'm Nancy. Welcome to Episode 373, Mediterranean Wisdom for a Life Worth Savoring with Emily A. Francis. I would like to start this conversation with a quote from The Taste of Joy, Emily's book by Rumi. He says, try not to resist the changes that come your way. Instead, let life live through you. And do not worry that your life is turning upside down. How do you know that the inside you are used to is better than the one to come? We will find out from Emily how she answered this question. This is my second conversation with Emily. In our first conversation, Emily talked about her move from Atlanta, Georgia to Malta with her family and how that experience changed her and her family's life. She moved to another country with her husband, Scott, and their two daughters, Hannah, who is almost 11, and Ava, who is nine. They took a huge leap of faith in 2020, and Emily says that she found her soul in Malta. Emily has more Mediterranean wisdom to help us savor our lives. She's introducing one of the healthiest lifestyles to the world to invite us to live simply, mindfully, and naturally to nourish our bodies and soul. Emily A. Francis is a highly sought-after speaker, radio host, columnist, best-selling author, and wellness expert with a vast array of education and experience. The Taste of Joy Mediterranean Wisdom for a Life Worth Savoring was released earlier this year. This is her fifth book. Her knowledge of the body and the body-mind connection is extensive, and her commitment to total body, mind, and spirit wellness is her driving force. She has a few degrees and hosts the internet radio show All About Healing on Healthy Life Radio. (laughs) Emily moved to Malta with her husband, Scott, like I said, and their two daughters. In moving to Malta... Emily has become deeply involved with local food production on the island, and you heard a lot about that in our first conversation. She writes a regular column titled Emily in Malta in the local tourism magazine, Oh My Malta, where she interviews local farmers, fishermen, and chefs on single-ingredient farming. You can find more about Emily at emilyafrancisbooks.com. You can also order her book. Boop, 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 boop. Yes. You can even get it on audio if you want. Yeah, that's great. A taste of joy. Emily's happiness self-help book focuses on the Mediterranean diet, different than how you're thinking about it and how we're taught in the United States. And that's what I'm learning about today from you. Mindfulness, Mediterranean recipes, long and healthy living, the pursuit of happiness, mindfulness, and purpose of living. So welcome again to another conversation, Emily. How are you? Thank you, Nancy. I'm happy to be here. And, you know, I didn't say this. I just interjected right over you. But the audio book we recorded here in Malta. So it's me, 
uh, reading the book. And then Paul Parker, who you mentioned, reads the preface on the audiobook. And then his wife's, his brother-in-law, reads for the tourism minister the foreword so that you can hear the Maltese accent because it is not like any other accent that you've heard because they, they used to be owned by British rule, but Maltese itself is 70% Arabic. So their accent is like British slash something else. It's really cool. So I had them record those parts in the book just so you could hear a, a little bit. It's very sing-songy. They yeah. do a very sing-songy way of speaking. It's, it's quite lovely. The audiobook is available also. Oh, good. I think I'm going to get that. So tell us about the island of Malta. Wow. I mean, that's such an open-ended question. The island of Malta is teeny tiny. It's an archipelago out in the middle of the Mediterranean. It's the most southern of all the European countries. It is part of the EU. It's just to the side of Africa. So it's very interesting. There's certain African colonies that you can get to in less than an hour by flight. The truth is I grew up in America, so I don't know geography very well. (laughs) So landing here was like, Where am I? (laughs) Where am I out in the world? And I have to say, I'm not a traveler by nature. So this isn't something that we, now we moved to Malta. I've never left the U.S. as far as live ever. So this was huge. And I've only really, I went to Europe once in my life after high school, but that's it. So I'm not some big traveling person. For some people, this is not a big deal. I've met so many traveling families here, but for us, it was massive. So it's a beautiful, tiny island out in the sea, and it is a world all its own. So how can Mediterranean living feed both our bodies and souls? Well, as we were talking about earlier, I think that the Mediterranean diet, quote unquote, is a coined term from authors, you know, trying to really sell the Mediterranean way of life into just food. But it's not just food. A Mediterranean diet is not a diet at all. It's a way of life. So over here, they don't they don't restrict your caloric intake. You're allowed to have that olive oil. You like the Greeks, they talk about the olive oil at the bottom of the salad bowl. You drop your bread into it, and let it soak up so you can get all that oil. They're not yeah. looking at it and going, try not to eat that or just dip your fork into the dressing and then get your salad. Over here, they don't even serve salad dressing have to learn how to make it if you want your salad to have it. So when you go out to eat, it's just plain dried lettuce and then packs of olive oil that you can put on your salads. It's just it's just oh, different. But yeah. even um, like there's no ranch dressing over here. They don't know what that is. <laughs> no idea. In fact, for our school teacher, I, I ordered Hidden Valley Ranch packets just because she loves to cook and dreams about American food. <laughs> so I was like, here, add this. And I, I also bought Old Bay, Old Bay Spice for their seafood oh, yeah. over here. So she could try that because they don't sell that stuff over here. Mm. Um, so it's just in the Mediterranean diet is how we live. It's the approach to life and food happens to be one aspect of it. So the way that the Mediterranean diet, according to me, is you're out and about, you're walking a lot more, you're getting exercise without saying, I have to go work out. You're eating a meal out and about and then walking after the meal. And then you go to a different restaurant, you go have your coffee, you're going in line with digestion. They follow the flow of life that flows into their body, how they eat their food, how they express themselves, how they do any side of physical practice or physical work. A lot of these people at the office carry their swimsuit and their snorkel or whatever they want in their car, and they get out and jump in the sea during lunch. But they don't say, I got to go get my workout in. I got to get my 10,000 steps. 
They just say, it's too nice of a day. I got to get out on the sea and then I'll come back and finish my work. Their approach to life is so markedly different that you're talking about apples and oranges. Yeah. Like it's just, it just isn't even in the realm. But the thing that until you live here and immerse yourself in it, you don't realize how much the Mediterranean diet is really such a, it's kind of a fallacy. It's misleading and it's yeah. not deep and rich enough to me to really represent what the Mediterranean live for. They live for food and fun and family and faith. And mm. they love the sunshine and they love to, they're not climbing all over each other. They're not doing that keeping up with the Joneses thing. They want you to succeed. It doesn't take away from their own success. They really are a collective community and it's gorgeous. You, it's just would- gorgeous. Would you say that they understand what unconditional love is? Yes. It is a verb here, I would say. It's in action. It's not an approach. It's it's just happening. Wow. Yeah, that's the natural way in which we are. Yes. Things, right? Unconditionally It loving. is like we are genetically hardwired for happiness. Yeah. But for some reason, we are really taught at least I feel like I was really taught that if I were happy, something bad was going to happen. Or if I was happy, other people would be jealous or try to steal it. Or like, it's just, it's like some coveted thing. (laughs) And it just, it isn't. There's really enough of the good stuff to go around. And it's like a candle. You know, you light another candle by adding it to the light. That's what happiness does. That's what joy is about. Is an yeah. expression of love in your life for anything that makes you feel good. Yeah, absolutely. Nice. Be- beautiful. Since we are talking about Mediterranean living and your book is laid out according to the meal and you add in all the spices of life and it's the taste of joy. Can you share with us a little bit about the Mediterranean recipes and Can you give an example of some recipes you learned since you moved there? You also cover, this is like a jam-packed question. You also cover always salt. So the way in which you describe salt in A Taste of Joy is also different types of salt. And it's just a salt of life. So go ahead. Yeah. Okay. So let's see. Let's start from the beginning of what you said. The recipes that I've learned over here are much simpler. They're much simpler. Here's one that I learned that I wish to God I would have put in the book, but I didn't learn it in time. But okay. it, this to me, me is write such it a down. big yeah. one. So you take whatever soup recipe of your carrot, ginger, sweet potato soup. So wherever you get that from online, I switch it out and put coconut milk in it. So I make it a vegan, not because I'm vegan, but I love the coconut milk added to it. But here's the secret ingredient that Paul Parker turned us on to, and it changed our life. We served it wow. to the Brazilians and they were shocked. Ready? Ready for the yes. secret ingredient that makes it like a regular soup to sublime body orgasmic experience in your mouth? Oh, God. Fresh lime juice. Really? That's, That's it? That's all it takes. That's all it takes. So on his table for nice meals, he had us over for Christmas, him and his wife. His wife, Doreen, is like my best friend over here. So even though it's Paul kind of gets dragged along, it's really Doreen. Doreen's the one that owns this house. (laughs) Doreen's the one that has brought it in. And this is what Doreen does. He did my book trailer video because he's a a movie producer, right? But originally I was going to have one of the friend's kids do it. I was like, I'll just let Eric do it. And Doreen was like, 
you're going to have a child do your your video, your book trailer. And I was like, yeah, these people are so smart, you know, electronic. I'll just do a little quick video. And she goes, do you mean you're not going to invite Paul to do your video? And I said, Doreen, Paul's really busy. I'm not going to ask him. I don't think that's fair to ask him. And she goes, if you don't let Paul do your video, I'm not coming over for another Sunday Funday all summer. And I was like, okay, I would love for him to do my video. She was like, you leave it in my hands. And she does like this. You leave it in my hands. And then she goes, Paul, you're going to do Emily's video. I mean, like, that's what she does. So if I want something done, you go to her and she gets it done. And Paul does it. But oh, Paul is fantastic. an amazing cook. He, everything he makes is just incredible. So they had us over for Christmas. And he had the soup as one of the appetizer, as the appetizer. They do a lot of soup here for appetizers in general. Um, but then he had this little, like, what you would see as a small gravy boat. But it was yeah. fresh lime juice, just fresh cut, fresh squeezed lime. Hmm. And he said, and they came around to every tape, everybody's bowl and with a little spoon. You like some lime? We're like, guess so. And then the bites where you could taste the lime was like my tongue started disco dancing in like bow chicka bow bow. Like everything changed. Like you start eating it and you're like, where has this been all my life? How ridiculous. And so my husband was like, all right, I'm going home and I'm going to make that soup. And then we're going to have friends over and we're going to show them one bite of this. Now add the lime juice. We're not going to tell you what it is that makes it so good. Just take another bite. Tell us what you think. They went nuts. So these are the things that it's not your spice combination of all your colorings and your pizzazz and whatever. It's just fresh lime. It's that simple. And it just like makes the dish dance. It turns a soup into a party. So those kinds of things, the olive oil and the the multi-spice trifecta is basil, thyme, and oregano. That's all they do. Basil, thyme, and oregano. The three of them together, they come together for a party in your mouth. It's just, it changes the the way that the dish tastes. So those, those sorts of things for recipes. Now moving into salt. Like I said, we went to the island of Gozo and I interviewed Josephine and the Sweeney family who have had the salt pans in their family since the 1800s. And there are three ingredients to sea salt. Three. Ready? Yes. The sun, the wind, and the sea. That's all. If the wind is heavy, the salt will be flakes, salt flakes. If the wind is on point, it will be salt granules, never the thin, fine salt, always coarse. There's nothing added. There's nothing in there. There's nothing stripped. <laughs> so you don't have your table salt where all this, all the goodness has been stripped away and then they add a little iodine, call it healthy. It's from the sea. But if any of those three ingredients are off, you don't get salt. Hmm. So it's the ultimate God delivery. It's the ultimate. And salt is only to be used to bring out the flavor of your food. That's what it's for. So a pinch a pinch will do you. You know, people, when you have that thick, really tasty, strong salt, you don't need too much of it. And it makes the food come alive a little bit more. But salt to me too is the purity. It's the purity of life. Walking around the salt pans because you never dare go in the salt pans. So she calls the salt pans your kitchen sink. So you walk on the outskirts of them. Uh, But salt is its so pure. It's exactly what I love about Malta. It's exactly because there's so many ghost pan 
no salt pans around, around here where the water doesn't come in enough and the sun doesn't shine deep enough. So you don't have the salt. You just have these empty checkerboard looking pans. Oh. It's not just here. It's around the world. So you have to have those three, that trilogy of perfection, the wind, the salt, and the sea. I mean, the wind, the sun, and the sea creates the sea salt that you can eat. It's magic. Yeah, that is magic. Well, you also talk about like once you put in too much, the dish is ruined yes, and you true. cannot pull it back out. This applies to many things in life. So many times in life, we need to go in increments in order to put in just the right amount of ourselves to unlock our potential flavor and create our best dish with what we've got. I also say sometimes you can be a little too salty for some people, but remember, (laughs) those are not your people. (laughs) That's right. Back (laughs) to the good people. Okay. You also talk about cooking. um, There's kosher, sea, and Himalayan salt. Those are from different parts of the world. So kosher salt is what chefs usually use, and that is not a sea salt. So it's it's a coarse salt. And then the Himalayan salt that I learned from doing this research is from the foothills in the Pakistani region of the Himalayas. And that's how you get that pink. So around the world is different salts. And what I think now, it's kind of like honey. You really try to stick with your region so that your body can be reminded what inhabitants in the air and in the sea is near you so that your body can really kind of resonate. Kind of like when you move to a new place and you buy honey from that area so that your body can start to get used to the pollutants, the air pollutants and things. So now I don't eat honey that isn't from Malta ever because I need my body to to speak. Honey talks directly to your genetic code. It's it's such a magical thing. So you want to when you move to a place, especially if you're somebody who's compromised, like asthmatic or COPD or now with COVID, you really want to stick to your honey. So we immediately went to Gozo and picked up local honey. You want it to be local. You don't want it really, if you can help it, you don't buy it from the grocery store because it's got a lot of additives and it's from all over the place. But over here, I know my I know my beekeepers now. So I pick up my honey. Uh, and in fact, I did actually, I say that I never eat honey from other places, but I did buy a jar recently from my friend who grows uh, olives and gets honey in Greece. And I haven't opened it yet because I want to open it when we take a trip over to Greece so I can get my body ready. Uh, oh. But they, you know, oh, wonderful. everything's different, yeah. you know, it's, it's yeah. different. In the book, I actually, I interviewed my beekeeper who's just magnificent. And he tells you from the year what's in season in every month so that you know what kind of honey you're getting. Hmm. And like the capers flowers, the capers only grow for two to three weeks. So you got a really small window, but it keeps the bees alive because it happens to grow when nothing else is. And the caper flowers, the pollen is blue, which I think is just spectacular because the capers themselves are not. So I don't really understand this whole thing. (laughs) Right. Um, And then, and Tony argued with me because I finally found the capers flowers which I'm going to show you on the video if that's possible, but the capers flowers are so spectacular. But now I wouldn't say blue as much as I would say violet. And so Tony was like, what is he talking about blue? Those aren't blue. (laughs) And he's right. It's really rather purple. But this, you can see it, is a capers flower. Oh, wow. I would have never guessed. No wonder they are hard to spot. 
They're really hard and they have these long antennae, if you will. But this yeah. doesn't look blue to me. So maybe it'll turn because <laughs> this was one of the few flowers still on the on the bush when I got there. There's a thing called the waggle dance. So when the bees go and find the pollen, they come back to the hive and they do this waggle dance in relation to the sun. And then the bees go and, and follow how they've danced to go find the pollen. Mm. There's hmm. just such magic. There's such magic in these single ingredient things that are natural, that are given kind of like the figs. I wrote a whole thing about figs because there's a thing called fig wasps that are only made to pollinate the figs. And the figs can only be pollinated by the fig wasps. They are created in, in like an image of each other. That What they say about figs in general is that it's God's way of saying whether or not we are doing well. So the figs will be flourishing in times of good prosperity and the figs will die in times of greed and, and unnecessary things that are happening all over the world, which is why figs have now doubled in price and are so hard to get because our fig production, our fig trees are they're hurting. They're hurting with our collective worldwide greed. So there's a lot. I mean, I just I've learned things that that I would never, unless I sat down and read an encyclopedia, would never right. learn. But then you go and you go, and and I love going with Tony because he has this giant farm with caves from when the Cavaliers would bring their prisoners, like a huge farmland. And so when I walk around with him, I go, now what's that? And what's that for? And now what's that? And what's that for? And what's that? And like, it's like a kid in a candy store. And he knows all the answers. Like, it's so fun. And he has this, he goes, do you want to see my gift from God? They're very God-centered here. But when they say God, it's really whatever you want it to be. But he says, do you want to see my special gift from God? And he, then he walked me over and it's natural spring water in this one part of the field. And it is the oh. most pure water. And he just drinks it. Like That's it's wonderful. Just, it's so cool. But anyway, so the salt and the recipes and the food, the way that we, the way that I set this book up is all the little things that I've learned about food, but I simplified it and then introduced it to you as a part of life. So yeah. poo, food, like, like the almonds that grow in my yard, my gardener was telling me that there's two kinds of almonds on the island and you cannot tell the difference between smell or anything else. One is delicious and one is rancid nasty. And the only way to tell is by taking a bite and finding out. And if that's not a metaphor for life, I don't really know what is. <laughs> right. Before we go, how can we bring the Mediterranean lifestyle, no matter our location? Where can we, how can we bring it to ourselves in our lives? If I were not me living here and I were listening to me, here's the things that I would adapt. I would try to put myself around people that are more loving and joyful. I would try to take more baths or enjoy myself more when I am near water. And I would try to go to local farmers markets and community events to get different foods and pay attention to how I'm eating and how it resonates in my body. That to me is some of the best things that you can do because it is a way of life and it's your approach to life. So the other part to me is take a step back and figure out what you can simplify. Yeah. It's like uh, Julianne Siegel and uh, she was talking about the feng shui uh, way of designing. And yes. it's always the first place you go is to declutter. Yes. So Take out idea. all that extra stuff. What you don't need. You know, when I lived in Georgia, I ordered from Amazon Prime like it was going to go out of business. I was getting packages every day and I, that was like my high. Yes. I can't wait to see that box with the smiley face. And here it doesn't exist. And, <laughs> and I don't do that kind of stuff. So now it's more like that high happens when I see a farmer on the side of the road at his table with his own potatoes and his 
jars of olive oil and I'm like, stop the car, except I'm the driver so I can stop. You know, I can tell if the strawberries come from the farmers or if they've been imported by the way they look. So where do you get your books? My book, The Taste of Joy? Anywhere the books are sold. Right. But like, yeah, where where in Malta do you get books? Um, Agenda Bookstore and Merlin Bookstore are your only bookstores. They're awesome, but they also are small and limited. Like Brene Brown has one book here. Elizabeth Gilbert, my favorite, has no books here. Uh, Glennon Doyle has one in the airport. Other than that, none. I used to order from Book Depository and it just went out of business. You can still order from Amazon UK or Amazon Denmark or Amazon Germany. I wasn't doing that because I was always using Book Depository. But as of April 26th, that was the last day to place an order. And it used to be free shipping because the other hard part is with Malta, your shipping is outrageous. Yeah, I can imagine. It's like living in Hawaii. You know, it's just really tough. That's why we do so much growing. And that's why we do so much growing here, because otherwise you have to ship in all these imports of food and it's hard. And if the seas are too like there was a day I wanted to get ground turkey. And then the butcher said, well, we can't today because the seas are too choppy. So nobody can come from Sicily. It's that quick. Hmm. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. And the, and everything you're affected immediately from those immediately. things. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. On your emilyafrancisbooks.com website, you have a series of audio meditation that I stumbled upon when I was doing your background research. And I, I love the categories that you put in there of, uh, you know, grief and shame. And and I love the way you have the meditation set up. And they're like 18 minutes, 13 minutes, 14 minutes. Anyways, I would just suggest listeners to check that out. Please do. That's from my last book, Healing Ourselves Whole. That's uh, the ability uh-huh. to talk. At what messages does your body have for you? And how are we holding them? And so I did those meditations with the producer in Georgia before we moved oh, here. Okay. Are you yeah. going to be doing some more? God willing, maybe. You know, I don't say no anymore to anything. So who knows? <laughs> okay. Well, I think you're on to something there. And I, I would um, just suggest keep going with it. Well, I do have a meditation been... CD out, actually. I do have a meditation whole CD that I did oh. years before called Come Into Being. So it takes you through physical relaxation chakras, uh, a lot of different, there's like seven on there. And then there's another one that I did that was just two meditations. It's create your day and celebrate your night. And the nighttime one, the same producer, he's a hypnotherapist. So he made this incredible music and it plays long enough to get you into REM sleep before it ends. And that the, the celebrate your night one is by far and away my favorite meditation I've ever personally recorded. My children play it. Oh, That's fantastic. They love it. It helps them sleep. So, Oh, beautiful. Well, this has been um, such a pleasure. I'm just really glad you found your soul in in Malta. Me too. I recommend all listeners to purchase The Taste of Joy, Mediterranean Wisdom for a Life Worth Savoring, uh, stumble into her meditations, get her CD. Also, check out her other five books or four books. Remember to scroll down to the bottom of the show notes and complete the three conscious attentive mentoring or calm, what I call calm activities. I invite you to take risks or do adventurous tasks, then apply self-compassion and welcome appreciation. So we'll see you next week. Thanks so much, Emily. I You've just really in, enhanced my life. So I thank just you. really thank appreciate you so, you so much. Thank you. All right. And uh, thanks for tuning in, everybody. We'll see you next week. Bye for now. 
to expand your leadership skills and become more resilient and competent as a business owner? Do you want to bring more meaning to your relationships and more purpose to your business? Are you ready to take charge of how you innovate, create, and run your business? Our dual innovation leadership process will help you redefine how you lead as you redesign your business. We collaborate with you to do what will work for you as you evolve and change. We start with where you are, whether you are turning around a financial crisis, growing to the next level, or somewhere in between. We address your immediate needs, shore up business development gaps, expand relational literacy, and build upon your entrepreneurial leadership skill sets with the short-term results orientation and a long-term perspective. Start by subscribing to this podcast at WeMentor.com or anywhere you listen to your podcasts. If you are ready to hire a mentor, contact me at Nancy at WeMentor.com. When we mentor, you create better life and a more fulfilling future as an entrepreneurial leader slash innovator as a competent business owner slash practitioner as a mentor slash role model and as a human being courageously living a meaningful life as gandhi said be the change you wish to see in the world get involved today it's never too late to change your life and how you lead